0: Welcome to the Writer's Room and Fan Power, a panel brought to you by the Writers Guild of Canada. I'm Lee Robbins from the Writers Guild of Canada, and this afternoon we're at Toronto's Fan Expo with all the pop culture junkies, gamers, and uber fans they could cram into the Metro Toronto Convention Center. We're here for a panel discussion with some of Canada's top showrunners who are behind some of the most popular TV series on the air today. We have Tassie Cameron from Rookie Blue, Dagan Frickland from Bitten, and Graham Manson from Orphan Black. And moderating this impressive panel is James Hurst, one of the talented writers on The Listener. Okay, let's get going.
1: Okay, hey everyone. My name is James Hurst. Uh, I'm a screenwriter and producer of Canadian Drama Series. Uh, And I'm thrilled to be your moderator today. Today's panel is titled The Writer's Room and Fan Power. Television is no longer a solitary experience. Social media experts call this moment in television history the birth of the second screen. So what does that mean? The first screen is the television you watch. The second screen is the device you use to engage with other fans while you watch. Um, The uh, Hollywood Reporter recently found that over half of the people they polled use social media to make choices about television. This report also revealed that of those who post about TV, 76% do so live. Oh, fantastic. Perfect timing. Uh, Blogging, Facebooking, live tweeting, it's all become an indispensable part of experiencing television. But this isn't just fans talking to fans through social media. Fans can now speak directly to showrunners and writers and creators, people like uh, our panelists here, and comment uh, on everything from story arcs to wardrobe choices. How does this torrent of fan feedback inform or impact on the writing of a series? What new strategies do showrunners use on social media to grow their series? How much say does the fan have? Too much? Too little? Uh, How can showrunners harness the power of the fan in this age of the second screen? That's what this panel today is about. And we have for you three showrunners and creators of the most blog-tweeted about and obsessed over series in Canadian TV, and I'd like to introduce you to them now. Uh, Our first panelist has had a sensational career. She started as writer and story editor on Degrassi, The Next Generation, before bringing her talents to the news drama The Eleventh Hour for CTV. In 2007, she adapted Margaret Atwood's The Robber Bride into a television movie. In 2008, co-wrote the miniseries Would Be Kings with Estes Spaulding. Was first showrunner on season one of Flashpoint for CBS and CTV. But you know her best as showrunner, co-creator of the international ratings juggernaut Rookie Blue for five seasons Accounting. It's my pleasure to welcome Tassie Cameron. Our next panelist has had a richly varied career in film and television. Uh, While at the Canadian Film Centre in 1997, he co-wrote the, what I like to call, Franz Kafka meets M.C. Escher cult classic Cube, spawning multiple sequels. In television, his credits as writer and producer include Flashpoint, Endgame, The Bridge, and the M.O.W. Crazy Canucks. But you know him best as the co-creator, co-showrunner, and main writing dude behind the heralded and subversive Orphan Black. It's my pleasure to welcome Graham Manson. Our next panelist has also led a brilliant and varied career in film and television, starting out as a writer on the animated series Yvonne of the Yukon. She went on to write for Falcon Beach, Cold Squad, and Robson Arms. In 2008, she wrote the animated feature Edison and Leo, before going on to serve as writer and producer for CBC's J-Pod. She served as writer and producer on Being Erica's debut season. Soon after, she became writer and co-EP on the Why Done It series Motive. But you know her best as the creator, showrunner, and badass Mama Jama of the hit series for Space and Sci-Fi, Bitten. It's my pleasure to welcome Dagan Fricklin. Okay, panelists, let's jump into our questions here. Uh, Facebook launched in 2004, Twitter launched in 2006, and all three of you uh, have been actively writing television since before this time. So to start off, can uh, each of you talk a little bit about how your experience as writers, showrunners, and creators has changed... Pre-social media to now, and uh, let's start with uh, Dagan. She's sitting right next to me. Um,
2: it, it, it's hard to qu- to quantify the difference, except to say it's massive difference between then and now. Um, the prior to, especially Twitter, because Twitter really allows us to. Be in conversations with our fans, um, much more so than uh, forum-type exchanges like Facebook and and uh, TV Tag or things like that. Um, prior to that, the only show that I was on where we felt the fandom was JPod, and when we were canceled, there was a Save JPod um, attempt. <laughs> but it was it was great to feel that there were fans out there. Um, Canadian television. Uh, doesn't have the the same sort of media um blitzes as american television so as a writer uh, it it's it's hard to know that there were fans out there before twitter but then that happened and kaboom now it's it's incredible that's
3: great well graham what's uh let's hear what you have to say about this topic uh it was it's vastly different between when i started or even even five even six years ago Mm -hmm. um I think, I think what happened first is it became easier for the fans to communicate with each other. And first of all, that, that happened, and then we all just kind of have to f- fall, you know, fall in behind, really. I don't think uh, – you know, social media strategy evolved on the fly, and it evolved because these, these – um, you know, because this made it possible to, to discuss – uh, shows on the other level first, that other window like you're talking
1: about. And uh, Tassie, you've, uh, Rookie Blue has an incredibly rabid uh, following uh, online, as I've seen, and, and I believe there's uh, names for uh, your fans. Uh, there's a, what a little catchphrase or something I've forgotten.
4: Oh, there's a bunch. There's probably a bunch. Each of our shows has
2: our Oh, uh, uh,
1: no doubt, no yeah. doubt. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, Tassie, how from your experience starting before uh, the second screen to, to now, how do you well, as these guys
4: m- say, it's com- it's a completely different universe, um, and I remember uh, Rookie Blue, we started it five years ago, and I remember in the first couple weeks of development, they said, they brought in a social media person and said, we're going to give you guys some training on Twitter, and I'm like, "I, I, I honestly, I don't know what that is, and uh, they sort of said, I think you'll find it's important, and we all kind of reluctantly signed on, and and then, you know, the first year you're writing to everybody because you can't believe anybody's watching. And the second year you're writing to the people that are nice to you. And then you're, you know, and, and, then, and then you start to get to a kind of super saturation point where you're trying not to listen too much because so you find it's affecting you uh, and it's reverbing back into what you're doing creatively, which is really, really interesting, but also kind of scary, um, a scary place to be. It's, it's a radical difference.
1: And do you have a specific, per- like, it sounds like you're pretty involved yourself uh, with interacting with fans. Um, do you employ any sort of strategies? Do you say, uh, is it formal or informal? Like, do you say, I'm going to handle this? Or do you delegate? Or do all, because this is also about the, the, uh, the writer's room as well. Uh, so do you delegate, let's say, certain people in the room to respond?
4: In my case, uh, no. There's, it's very informal. It was very organic how it started. We just all the writers and actors signed up, and we all just started, you know, being ourselves on on Twitter and Facebook, and and it's just gone from there. And I think, in some ways, while it was not by design, um, the very organic and natural way that it grew. Has been part of why it's been successful because I think people know it's authentic because we make so many (laughs) mistakes and don't have anybody (laughs) delegated and because they believe it's really us and and uh, I I, I might
3: do it differently the next time but
1: interesting interesting how about you Graham?
3: Um, It's it's sort of a mix of formal and informal Uh, with the networks there's a certain amount of formality. Uh, because there's rules around uh, spoilers, especially. Everybody has to be on board, board with that. Um, uh, so, you know, the networks, uh, we have two networks, BBC America and Space and Canada. The networks each have their own sort of uh, strategies for what they want to do with social media. And then they have, they have access to the same sort of um, material, the behind-the-scenes stuff, the gallery shoots and the images that uh, that the production puts out, and then they choose differently what to do with them and then on our side on the on the um on the writers and the creators and the actors, it's more informal they'll sort of coach us lightly off the top uh about things like spoilers and what you can and can't do, but then they let they let the creatives kind of have the personality um, and then even with i mean. I think BBC America is a real engine behind it. They have dedicated people that um, engage with fans, and they are behind the Tumblr, which is sort of the fan club, the real fan club of the show. And, uh, but they've let it they, even within that, they've let it evolve organically. Nobody named Clone Club, but the, the fans, you know? Um, and it, so it's engage and its nurture, but it's not steer. I think it's not direct uh, it's to let that fandom evolve organically interesting uh, in, uh and then there's also Temple Street our producers so they have their own David. multimedia as well and they're kind of a bridge in between as well as you know online for their own uh, their other productions as well so you know that's, that's, f- that's four or five different arms sort of you know it's and, and there's some rules, but a lot of it is just kind of go with God really
1: and uh, if, if uh, th- it sounds like there's a lot of different streams of people saying, well, let's do this, let's do that. Who, who decides? Is it a, a very collaborative process, or are there moments where you as the showrunner and co-creator and, and, and all of that have to say, no, I think this is the right way to go?
3: In terms of social media strategy? Uh, well, they kind of, yeah, they'll run what they want to do by us, and, and it's very difficult, like I'm sure these guys will agree, it's very difficult to provide any additional content when you're running a show. Mm-hmm. The the um they they love that stuff, but it's like how who's going to do it? <laughs> you know, who's <laughs> going to write it? Who's going to who's going to act in it? You, you can't call on your actors to show up on multimedia all all the time. Um so uh you know that some of the it has they have to temper what they want or come up with strategic ideas about what that content should be so that it's not taxing people too much.
1: Interesting. Uh Dagan, maybe you could... Uh, I know you you're uh, have been very active uh, with social media, and Bitten's been a huge, huge... All these shows have been huge hits uh, with social media. Uh, uh, can you think of any moments or uh, that, uh, a particular impact uh, where fans have reacted, let's say, to a crazy plot twist or, or uh, um, uh, killing off a character or a, a kiss between <laughs> two people, that sort of thing, that have... have and and, and uh, two questions. One is, do you have enough time to react to it? Because you've, you've already cut the... Th- you've already aired the episode uh and uh how do you apply that going forward let's say if fans love a certain character or hate a certain character do you have time to address it and how would you address it
2: um well last year we finished shooting in august and we were sort of in the, the bubble of a first season we ha- had some feedback from fans because we're uh, the only show on this panel it's an adaptation they um we have a fan base that came with the pre-existing expectation for what the show would be, which uh, is great because you've got a pre-existing fan base, but also um, anxiety-making, I guess, because of those expectations. And one of the things about adapting material is that I can't think of a single adaptation on television that isn't um, mm, taking some liberal choices away from the material Game of Thrones, Walking Dead. I mean, we're writers and creators, so um, we adapt things. We don't just type it out verbatim. Um, which means that we you know, took the show in certain direction and, and <coughs> killed characters that survived in the book and let other characters live that didn't survive in the book and um, cast slightly differently than how the book was. Um, so there was some pushback. There were some book fans that chose off the top to not engage with the series. And then there were book fans that just said, look, these two things are separate entities. The author of the books was very gracious. Kelly Armstrong was very gracious in identifying. Oh, sure. Closer. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, the author of the books, Kelly Armstrong, was very gracious in identifying to her fans off the top that these are two separate entities and they should be uh, enjoyed separately. Um, I think I went off on a tangent. And no, I no, I, the I think you. Uh, question. Uh, the, the question <laughs> in was. In terms of oh, do we have the chance to adapt to react. And, well, and react to,
1: react to, to fan comments? So. Yeah. Uh,
2: well, so as I was saying, we um, finished shooting in August of last year, and we were on the air in January. Uh, so we were long done um, before the the fans were able to watch the show and engage with the show. Um, and it was, uh, but it was a really nice sort of relationship that built with us, and it was a relationship of trust that the fans sort of placed in us. That once they were on board with the material, and comfortable with the direction that we were going in, then it was just you know we we trust your judgments and. One of th- one of the things that we wanted to do too was to make sure that the book fans weren't anticipating every single twist and turn. Right, that there were some surprises for them along the way too, so that everybody's enjoying the roller coaster.
1: Interesting, uh, Tassie. Maybe maybe you could speak to uh, uh, y- your show is a, 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 a I'm sure as everyone knows is a is a cop show about young cops and learning. Uh, uh, as they go, uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's also very famous for some, some big plot twists and some big character reveals uh, that uh, I've seen through looking at the show on social media, fans love and hate. Uh, is this, um, so I'd ask the same question to you. Do you how do you react to fans <coughs> loving when two characters kiss or break up? or uh, How do you react to it, and is it also a strategy that if perhaps people are upset that maybe there's something to be said for that, that it is an engagement of the fan?
4: That's a really good question. I, I. I mean, you cannot help but be moved and uh, interested by the viewers' response to what you're doing, right? So you put two people together that they weren't expecting, and you kind of watch it in real time. You're getting to watch people uh, react to this in real time in a way that's very, very powerful, um, and really interesting, and occasionally quite disheartening, and occasionally really exhilarating, um, and um, uh, you know, it's. I think that you get when when people get incredibly negative. You know uh, that that's difficult uh, when it and you. We have uh, you know these McSworick shippers, the, the our main couple, the shippers. I, like I didn't even, again shipper, I <laughs> uh, but uh, you know who are really really passionate mm-hmm. and can be quite tough. You know, and w- so when you're sitting there getting a stream of stuff telling you to go work at Walmart, because um, you've made <laughs> such terrible decisions, <laughs> you know, it can be it can be difficult. And then you just kind of have to laugh it off with the other writers and and move on. And and but yes, it does affect you. You do sit there going, I don't think there's chemistry between these two people. Nobody's given them a nickname, you know, as a couple, right. or uh, people really love this new character that was just supposed to be in for one episode. Let's bring her back. You know, it 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 yes, it affects what we do creatively
1: it too. definitely has an impact uh, and uh, Graham I, I, of course you, you've all the same questions apply to you um, I came across and I'm sorry I don't have it at the top of mind but uh, there's an interesting interaction you had on Twitter um, maybe in a few weeks ago with uh, I think it was a scholarly uh, source had written something quite uh, uh, erudite and uh, intellectual about uh, Orphan Black and you had a uh, again I wish I could remember his name I, I should have written it down but uh, I thought it was uh, quite a moving interaction you had do you, do you remember what I'm talking about?
3: Um, was it uh, was it a science based thing or was and it a more personal? I, I believe
1: it was it was some sort of scholarly article. Maybe it was science based, but it, it, it looked like they presented a tremendous amount of research, and I would have thought that'd be quite uh, flattering, really. Uh,
3: yeah, that's that is one of the uh, amazing amazing things. Like, the uh, um, you know, aside from the, the the amazing amount of fan art and things like that, the creativity of the show. That uh, that some people have have really um, latched on to so, sort of the some of the sort of higher purpose of, of sci-fi and genre, right. which is you know, uh, which is to shine a light on society and issues. And we work really hard to do an entertaining show, and yet to be smart and to try and push issues of of ethics and genetics and uh, personal identity in all its guises. So when people pick up in the fandom, they pick up that. Those themes—that's amazing because it's really people are really thinking, people are uh, inspired, and they're inspiring other people. Um, s- that's like some of the most rewarding interaction mm-hmm. for me. It's when it spawns other things. Like there's a Clone Club book club now where they discuss everything from our literary references to ethical issues and uh, and and things, um, as well as as well as some really uh, you know, a lot of kids facing um, gender identity issues mm-hmm. and their own crises and uh, and being very frank and open and honest in writing, really touching essays or making videos that are confessional, that, uh, you know, that really, that, that they touch all of us uh, that make the show and, and they feel like they have the support with this community of, of Clone Club. So that's nothing we did. That's what people did Mm themselves
1: that's their own inspirations and does that uh does that inspire you in the writing room you and the
3: writers Is, is this something that you say you know what people are getting this let's do more of this uh it's really nice to know that they respond to those elements of the show and that you can um uh you know uh you can write smarter and you can challenge your audience and it helps the network to see that too and so when you're being you know they don't. They're not. Nobody's trying to. Nobody's trying to dumb us down. And part of that is because of the response mm-hmm. uh, that that we get. Um, so yeah, that's very
1: interesting. Yeah, yeah w- one thing. Uh, just throwing a, a note that just crossed my mind. Uh, that's very interesting uh, about the world of television right now. Is that it's very important um, not just the the numbers, the amount of people who are watching your show, but who uh, and are the you know everyone wants people who are very active on social media um, because they're going to promote your show, uh, they're going to help grow it, and, uh, it's very important to, uh, to reach out with, uh, uh, with these people, uh, and it really does, I, I think, and you guys can speak to this, but I think it affects also, um, you know, for all those in the room who are writers or interested in this sort of thing, it can really affect what show goes and what doesn't and, and that sort of thing, so it's, it's a really, really important component of, uh, what goes into television, um, one, uh, question I have, um, Tassie mentioned before, the, the shippers and, and the people who uh, uh, will vote for, um, let's say, in in your ship you've got, uh, there's the new girl that is is pulling that guy away or whatever, uh, and it can get into quite big debates. The fans can get into very big debates, and so there's that kind of debate that goes on, and then there's the debate of fans saying, I hate this episode, or I hate this storyline, or oh, I can't believe they wrote this script. Uh, all, s- all manners of debates that go on. So, um, I'd be interested in hearing uh, uh, your guys' take on that and uh, what do you do? Uh, do you wait in? Do you stay out? Do you ignore it? Do you pay attention to it? Do you embrace the debate? Uh, so why don't we start with, well, actually, Dagan hasn't had a time to talk, so.
2: I spend a lot of money on my therapist, <laughs> <laughs> honestly. Um, I mean, I, I read everything. Like as Hassi said, I had to reach a point where I stopped reading things um, and yeah um, in our show because we're an adaptation well in, in second season admittedly we're, we're um, only using the second book as loosely mm-hmm. uh, adapted the second book um, so there are times where I would like to, w- to wade in and uh, especially around the, the choice around killing one of the characters last year um, but then at the same time we have such a, a really passionate fan base that it's also nice to just watch them engage with each other and work it out amongst themselves and and watch from afar and see how that happens because I feel like as soon as I weigh Mm -hmm. in then the attention would come to me rather than to the discussion amongst the fans which I think is the most important
1: Interesting. Uh, Tassie what do you uh, feel about fan debates and and, uh, a strategy of involvement or non-involvement
4: Um, I, I try to stay out of it to some degree, um, because as you say, it's there, it's, it's the viewer's community, you know, not mine, and, and I'm happy to be privy to it and to get to read it and learn from it, but I try not to direct the way it goes too much. That said, you know, we, we also killed somebody that was a beloved character in our third season, which just, you know, was... Like I, I thought my computer was going to explode, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and I did weigh in a couple times to just try and explain that that we did this not because we didn't like the actor or because we, we that we did it because we were trying to show that in a world of policing high stakes policing occasionally people, people die, die, you know, yeah. and that so I was just trying to make that that point, mm-hmm. and I have you know once in a while my guard goes down and somebody will start talking about how an actor's ugly or an actor's a slut or something and I will kind of snap out and say something like like really we're doing this because I just it just seems kind of off point like off limits you just shouldn't be so I will I will comment uh once in a while in that way I try really hard not to I usually regret it in the morning
1: right interesting how do you feel about fan debates and entering or or staying away
3: um occasionally I'll quash a wild rumor or something uh but generally a, a st- I I I stay out of it and just you know um engage and promote and and uh uh sort of you know retweet retweet and give people props for the things that they're doing mm-hmm. um I don't. Uh, I can go to Tumblr and look at Tumblr like anyone else, but I'm not on Tumblr, so I think I really think that that's their domain. I don't think anybody. I, I don't think it's uh, that the creators should be um, necessarily in Tumblr, in that clubhouse. Twitter, Twitter, yes, but but that, that seems sort of like their. That's their fort.
1: hmm Oh, very interesting.
2: Yeah. I feel like such a l- I feel like such a luddite around Tumblr. I don't know how to m- make one or anything, but I love watching them. Like Twitter is sort of the you know just because it's writing, it's what what we do, so it's uh, it's easy enough and it's you know pop one off. But Tumblr, it's fascinating to me and I love them, but I wouldn't know how to even start.
1: <laughs> uh, Dagan, we were talking before and and uh, you had mentioned that there's a difference in your Twitter feed from when you're uh, from before the show uh, and when the show is on. Um, so maybe you could talk a little bit about the uh, the. The public persona uh, as a showrunner, creator, someone representing the show. And, uh, you know, on the one hand, you want to represent yourself and, and you want to show yourself as, as here I am. I'm a funny person. I'm, I'm a very clever writer. But once the show goes in, as you were saying before, uh, you have to take a different role
2: yeah um once once fans start engaging i don't think they need to know about um my neuroses or my dating life or the bagel that i ate for breakfast or maybe they do maybe they do um i mean i try to i try to keep it light and i i'll make a joke now and then but prior to to the show being greenlit um you know in the motive days i was using twitter just for for personal use to just make jokes basically so um but at the minute that the show got greenlit then it's like okay you now this is a platform uh that i i intend to use um differently and for the show and to engage with people about the show and to promote the show and um to you know give little snippets little shots from set um and uh, graham had mentioned spoilers i c- i can't tell you how Serious, the story department is about not letting spoilers out, like of anyone we're the ones that are making the lists and checking it twice, and don't let anybody know about this or that or you know, so we're very um, good about not putting spoilers in our Twitter and then also the live tweeting during so that's r- that's what I use it for every once in a while y- you'll know about the bagel I ate, but mostly it's about the show
1: mostly it's about the show yeah uh yeah i had a stat earlier something like 60 where was it 67 percent of of uh tweets about shows are live tweeting which really blows my mind i've taken mm-hmm. part in a little bit uh on some shows i've worked on but uh is this is this now become part of uh you're there at the tv all you guys are there live tweeting away with the fans every night when the show's on
3: yeah yeah it's a uh, d- a different way it's a a different way of doing it for sure um uh, although I have to admit uh, my very first tweet was on the first was on the first episode of season two, so <laughs> yeah, totally <laughs> late to the bandwagon <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: Can you guys think of uh, any particular uh, memorable moments you 've uh, interacted or or funny stories, or maybe also this is about the writer 's room as well and to be clear. Uh, these three uh, uh, brilliant people are the showrunners and, and creators also uh, of the shows they work on. So what does that mean? That means they're the, uh, the head writer and sort of the chief architect of the show. They're the really important people you want to impress. Uh, so, but they do have a writer's room, and, and a writer's room is uh, um, uh, often a zoo, uh, a lunatic asylum, um, it kind of needs to be because it's uh being creative and all those kind of things and within that writers room there can be all sorts of different personalities um, so uh one question i'd have is uh although i think dagan already answered it is is do you have to it's not just showrunners talking it's it's writers uh talking this is a writers guild of canada event are do you ever have to uh, uh police the writers or instruct them or uh you know you might have 10 people in your room so um, is this something maybe Tassie you could talk about it you've got a, a very big room uh, do you ever have to uh be uh the boss and say guys don't say this say that
4: no, no? i don't i i uh, and you know I think we're looser about spoilers than these guys are because basically our networks spoil our show for us with our <laughs> with yeah, their no you know next week on uh, like yeah, i'm yeah, like yeah, oh yeah. my god we <laughs> we've been trying to protect that for you know and then it 's right there and the uh so I, you know i'm like okay, whatever the, everybody knows everything um So, uh, you know, with the junior writers coming in, we'll get, we'll kind of school them a little bit. Like, don't, don't uh, take shots on set without asking the actor's permission. You know, don't post shots. I mean, it's pretty common sense stuff. So, no, our writers, um, I love that they're different personalities and irreverence. Most of them are much more irreverent than I am, and I love that that is kind of, all over their Twitter and their social media engagement. So,
1: so the, the writers self-police. You really don't yeah, have uh, I, I, an I, issue know, with that.
4: I get in more trouble than anybody else. <laughs>
1: Isn't that funny? How about you, Graham? Do you have, uh?
3: Um, uh, we've, had, uh, we've had sort of like BBC America or or Space will come and give loose guidelines to crew, casting, uh, crew cast, uh, and the writers about what to tweet and what, what not to tweet. tweet. Um, spoilers are super taken super seriously and we've had a few interesting incidents where you know a a season one finale script was it season one or two no it was season two finale script went missing and all the scripts now are they're watermarked with Mm -hmm. people's names on them so that if a script pops up on the internet it's got the person who lost its name on them (laughs) 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 Um, spoilers they, they take they 're a hassle they take time to, for us to guard against and and uh, you know so this this script went missing and and, uh, and some little tweets started showing up on this account, um, and we were looking at it going, oh this is a, this is however this kid like we 're going this is a, just a kid got hold of a script they don 't really know what they 're doing, but the networks were like. Legal and bring on the legal team <laughs> and like find who's doing it and and like pull the account from Twitter and all all this stuff. We're like it's just a kid, so <laughs> we ended up f- engaging them on the side, going like we got to warn you, stop doing what you're doing or. <laughs> Or yeah, like, yeah. The, the American lawyers are coming down on you. And they're like, <laughs> they were like, the, t- the tweets were like, there was like 15 in a row in tears. You could hear the tears behind the tweets. Like, please don't send the lawyers after me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Poor kid. <laughs>
2: uh, we have certain fans um, who are forensic with their search on the internet for information. We recently had... Um, a casting call go out and somebody found this and they were able to before we announced find out some of the new characters that we were bringing into the season Um, yeah so that was that it's always fascinating to me when there's that level of of engagement with the show that people are are so um, uh, you know excited about it and looking for information long before we announce anything but with our network um, it's a it's a conversation it's a dialogue between us. So we, and so space, and Gosha's here from space today, um, we give them like, these are the spoilers that please don't say anything about, and then we have the, the guidelines from them. And um, and with the, the writers in the room, some of them choose to be in social media, and some of them don't, and there's no pressure for the ones that don't want to engage in social media. Um, and for the ones that do, it's, it's you know, they're, they're self-policing as well, because you know uh, if you want to put confines on writers they'll just unplug
1: yeah writers yeah. writers can be a, a can perverse be a little, yeah. can be a little b- some writers can be a bit on the perverse side I, I i all i mean is that if you tell them not to do something they want to do it uh so that we've been
3: be. in a room with you james we know
1: <laughs> yeah they're, I'm, I'm talking about myself really um yeah uh so uh, I think uh, before we turn over uh, I I'd, I'd love to hear some questions from from the audience here there's so many people and I'm sure you've got questions not just about social media but about your favorite show. Uh so but before that I uh, I wonder uh, as a final question if if there's anything um when when you three brilliant people go on to create your your next show and that might be years from now uh is there anything you've learned about social media that uh that you would bring to it, and maybe there isn't. But is there any sort of, uh, a- and perhaps people out there who are writers and thinking about creating a show, uh, y- you know, you guys have been on really involved in in social media and in terms of your shows. Is there any tips you have for them, or, like I said, tips you could use yourself, or tips you could share with others now that you've been so experienced? Um.
2: There, there were all there will always be dissenters. There will always be people who don't like things and there will always be people who love what you do and um, for me it's just, you know, take take it all and um, or take none of it or however much you want but it's uh, it's just, it's a, it's a really fascinating way to engage with the fan base and I love it and I'm glad that I'm, you know, making a show in this day and age where we can do that.
3: Um, I think I would I mean, I would, uh, now that I've sort of been through, the, uh, through it with the show, through the social media route, uh, I would definitely start earlier <laughs> than I did. And, um, but I would always make sure that, I'm not that, uh, that the process is not, that you share the process and the process is organic of creating that community. You can't dictate mm-hmm. um, what it should look like, what a fandom should look like. It has to grow on its own. Um, so, y- so you, you you can only uh, just sort of s- be on the side and uh, um, and nurture it uh, uh, and engage. Oh,
1: that's really nice, Tassie.
4: I mean, all I can thi- think think about are very practical things. Like, I still don't know how to post a photograph to Twitter. <laughs> so, I would suggest that people learn how to do that. Uh, I would love to learn how to do that. I plan to do that on my off time. I'll teach you. <laughs> I'll teach you. Right <laughs> okay, now this. I like I really don't know how to do it. So some really practical training is something that I would do and I would do with a room and I would do it as you say earlier then and I would I would probably if doing if I was doing it again try and have a bit more of a strategy as a room, you know what's what are we putting out? Are we talking about our th- season themes online or, or what, you know sort of try and be a bit more thoughtful in how we in, how w- in what we were putting out there but I, I completely agree with Graham that it is an organic thing you have to be yourself that's what people are interested in they're interested in interacting with people who are real people and being themselves and that's very very hard to strategize about so, mm-hmm. so um, I would just get a little more tech savvy yeah, it's that's
2: true, because if it's, if it's a Twitter account or a Reddit or something like that where it's so obviously just a representative of that person, whoa! The yeah, you yeah, can just s- tell a mile away. Yeah. Yeah. So.
1: Very interesting. Okay, well, that's uh, really great comments. I've learned uh, quite a bit. Um, I would love to hear some questions uh, from the people. Well, the first hand I saw was that gentleman right there, so um, with the hat, stand up and, and speak loudly. Oh,
3: that's very loud. That's good. For a film,
1: movie or television? I'll repeat the question. The uh, uh, gentleman would like to know the difference between writing uh, the differences between writing a novel and a script. <laughs> well, yeah, we've got a number of people here. I've can never take that written question. a novel, so
4: I don't know. Well, I mean, we've got less t- word, fewer words. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, dialogue, it, uh, writing. I mean, it's ri- okay. It, the difference is you're writing for something that's visual. You're writing a vi- uh, for a visual medium, so you're having to play it out in your head. The dialogue, the stage directions. You want as little prose as possible, at least in our case. So it's it's really trying to replicate what you're imagining visually, which is a very big difference because it will have to be filmed and shot. Mm-hmm.
2: The the way that we write dialogue for television too, hopefully when you watch it, doesn't feel like it's exposition, but it is. We're trying to convey an, a bunch of information to you in a way that sounds like organic dialogue, but when you actually listen to two people having a conversation, it's slightly different than what we're doing in uh, television dialogue writing.
3: Um, and... A, a screenplay is not not like a novel. It's not it's not written to be read by an audience. It's written to be read by uh, a team who are going to make a, a television show. So um, the there's a there's a different kind of uh, of um, discipline and and uh, it, it's not it's not it's a different kind of beauty. Only we appreciate the <laughs> yeah. beauty of a really good <laughs> script where many many people can appreciate the beauty of a good novel. I think a a really good script is invisible when you watch the show.
2: Yeah, there's an economy of language in a script.
3: Okay, very interesting. Uh, Oh, great. so So many
1: hands. You, sir, right there.
3: Yeah, those the 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 outside writer is a very rare thing now. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you guys ever? We never use it. And it's o- yes. it would only be in episodic television, and maybe only in long running ones where they're like, we need ideas. We'll take outside ideas like the old Star Trek used to do. Where I remember Stargate used to do that. Mm-hmm. Stargate used to, we're like, okay, we've done 130 episodes now. Anybody got any new ideas? <laughs> uh, but even then, often those uh, you'd be paid for your idea, but they would take the idea and write the script. So I, uh, it's about getting in on the on the bottom floor of a team and getting into a department, a story department, through um, uh, your your own work, what you're doing on the side, as as when and those entry level uh, positions like being a story coordinator, et cetera, a junior mm-hmm. writer.
4: Although I think too, I mean, spec script still. Exist yeah. you know, like you, you can write a good spec script of that random Christmas episode for The Good wife or whatever, and, and that will be a good example of your writing, although I prefer to read original material Definitely. from writers. I'd, I'd, I'm not as interested in specs.
2: Yeah, a spec will show that you can mimic another show, and original will show what's in your head and what you're capable of on your own without the confines of another show t- dictating that to you.
3: One of each people like to yeah. read. Often.
1: Yeah, so you could. Uh, there's still some shows I think you can pick where you could write a, a sample, uh, but uh, yeah, like the panelists are saying, fuh, write something original, and uh, and you should be noticed. Uh, oh, okay, I saw the gentleman in the back with a hat. Please stand and deliver. I'll repeat the question uh, um, to the panelists here. Um, where did you get your start writing before you started writing on uh, television series? Where did you Where did you start?
2: Uh, I started in development for a film production company that produced one of Graham's. Fr- uh, it was your first feature, wasn't it? Oh my goodness! Uh, Rupert's Land. Second. Second. Um, so I was working. Reading scripts and and bringing projects into the development um, for that company. Pr- prior to that, though, I um, had a undergrad degree and master's degree in fiction writing.
3: Um, I uh, it's really like high school theater, um, and then thankfully I didn't uh, become an actor. <laughs> uh, and I started in journalism. I took journalism and just have always been a writer. Uh, after working at, as, as a cub reporter at a small town radio station, I decided never to do that again. And <laughs> no more Chamber of Council meetings. <laughs> um, and I went, so I, I ducked back into theater and took my first film courses. Um, uh, always as a writer, but I also worked in the art department um, uh, for six or eight years after university to learn how to make films, which is uh, a really important thing for all of us is that practical experience on a film set whether you're writing or not Mm -hmm.
4: Uh, I worked in film and television production through my 20s and really wrote nothing except in my journal and really good letters (laughs) for my 20s Uh, I was always writing but never for public consumption and finally when I was 29 I decided it was time to do what I had loved doing privately and my wrote a feature which, unfortunately, got made. Um, and then uh, <laughs> uh, my, my first job was writing on Degrassi, which, as many of, us, many of us in this country, our first jobs are writing on Degrassi.
1: That is very true. Uh, you guys, all three of you, have had uh, varying uh, degrees of experience with the Canadian Film Centre. Uh, I am not a CFC grad, so I'm not paid to say this. But uh, uh, we're talking about writer's development. Uh, uh, is that something you guys could speak to as, as a place for, for young writers to go and learn? I know I know you guys have all been in different stages of, of the CFC, but uh, if, if we're talking about how do you break in and how do you get known as a writer, uh, a screenwriter in Canada, I, th- I think you have to uh, address that topic.
4: It's the only shortcut, I think, if there is such a thing as a shortcut, and it's still not a shortcut because you have to write a great script to get in, and it's very difficult to get in. They only take ten people or eight people, but it is an incredible, in my humble opinion, an incredible training ground, and if you can get in and spend six months or a year training there, you are, you are far more likely to be working in this country, I think. Uh,
3: I think it's a, a, uh, a, a great place to go to, but it tends to, it tends to take people with a little experience under their belts sure. already. Um, and uh, there's many other co- colleges and film schools, et cetera, from Sheridan to all these, all these places that produce a lot of people who are working um, but uh, there's no better education than just getting out with your own cameras and your own stuff and um, making your own uh own own things and there's m- there's more venues to to put that on uh, you know up on the web and, and things than there was uh, when I was uh, coming mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, well, my experience at the CFC was a showrunner boot camp, so mm-hmm. I was um, uh, quite far along. yeah. yeah. Um, but it was great experience and I have had a, a number of interns um, come through the show who have come from the CFC and, and um, they're, you know, fantastic um, but as Graham mentioned just prior to this and, and coming up and working through and Tassie as well working in production as a non-writer before you start writing is an incredible training ground because it really teaches you how to write to a budget that you can actually see your thing produced. And that helps.
1: It's, yeah, it's practical. Uh, screenwriting is a very practical art form. Uh, more questions. More questions. Um, 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 you, young Mademoiselle. Hi. Um, I was also too a graduate of journalism. What did you think um, as, I guess, the most
3: shocking thing going through journalism to television? <laughs> oh, okay. mm, good question. <laughs> um... I just uh, I just found the fiction um, very freeing for my own voice. Uh, I was I was more more sort of interested in in feature writing. I was more into investigative and in the stories that I was hearing. And then when I when I was I, I think I mentioned the city council meetings and things like that. And and that was when I just uh, I had no juice. I was exhausted by that stuff, and I was trying to. In, you know, interview a mayor who had been mayor since 1968 and I was a cub reporter I had no chance of getting a scoop um, but you know I could make stuff up and that was more rewarding to me in the, uh, in the end it's what, I, it's what I turned around and went back to um, create more original material um, but I, journalism taught me a, a lot about structure, uh, simple structure tricks that I still use
1: Uh, Tassi, your mom is a very famous journalist. Uh, Is is this um, did journalism ever uh, interest you?
4: No. No, not at all. I worked at the Globe uh, uh, as a summer job in my university years. Um, I was always drawn to making stuff up. It looked way harder, way too hard to me to have to do the research. And I mean, and then of course you you have to do all the research anyway when you're actually making stuff up. So it was moot, but um, no, I think, uh, uh, no, I was always more drawn to making up, making it's stuff It's easier up to, to, to lie than tell
1: it's the truth. For yes, sure. Absolutely. Uh,
2: I thought when I was a kid and everybody's like, I want to be a vet, I want to be a, you know, fireman. I wanted to be a foreign correspondent. Um, That's awesome. But uh, this, you know, my path took me to television. Though my mom used to always tell my relatives that I was a journalist because she couldn't explain to them, what we do as TV writers, because mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. so confusing to people who don't get it. It's like, do you write the action or the dialogue? Do the actors make it up? So she would just say, she's a journalist. She's a journalist.
1: <laughs> it is, the, there's something about black and white I think is a lot easier for, for particularly relatives to get their heads around. I, I know um, I have a number of older relatives that uh, will tell me, oh, but you don't really, you don't tell them what to say, though, right? I mean, you <laughs> just, you present them some options and then they, they pick. You imagine standing around on set with actors <laughs> saying, <laughs> so how do I, what do I say? No, you don't have time for that. It's, it's, it is quite funny. Uh, more questions, please. Oh, okay. Uh, you. You think that social media is taking a lot of power away from the network executives,
4: and how do you with
1: that Is social media taking power away from network executives? It's an interesting question.
2: Um, for us we actually have a really great network in space and and they engage with our fans as much as the show does we have a a bitten twitter feed and a bitten facebook page but space during our our broadcast they um, put up these little postcards of scenes as it's like they're live tweeting as much as we are so I don't know I think it's empowering them as as much as it empowers us
3: I, I, I just think it makes them adapt um they're always going to um, want to uh, um, capitalize on the social media as much as they can. Uh, so it, it, it's it's making them adapt. It's making them, uh, you know, hopefully um, respect the the fan base more, I hope.
4: Yeah, I would say that's that's pretty true. I don't think it's taking power away from the executives. I mean, you look at it. Uh, we're on ABC in the States and Shaw Global here, and there's such huge company um, you know it's hard to take power away from them. <laughs> but um uh but I, I think that they are very impressed with the social media components and they do take the fans and the viewers seriously and and uh it does have an impact on how they feel about the show as well
1: very good more questions please uh you sir So, repeat the question: Is uh, as the showrunners and creators, uh, how how my, what line do you make between uh, what fans want and what you want as storytellers?
3: Um, like Orphan Black is a mystery, so uh, it's a puzzle, and the fan input can't really affect uh, the master plan. Um, it can sure help tell us what what characters you like and we can feature and we do, we do that. And, you know, all the shipping stuff, I, I love all the shipping stuff. <laughs> um, but it's also like, Oh, well we can toy with that little ship for a while. You know, you can put that in jeopardy. Yeah. Um, uh, so the big things, uh, you know, you have to be careful about being swayed by the big story things, but, um, you know, we love the little things. I, I love, uh, trying to throw things in there in dialogue for the fans, um, little references, little pet names for the characters that they, that the fandom comes up with that we've started using on the show. Um, and, uh, and, you know, things like... Like in, in Cosima and Delphine's lab, we hung a picture of a ship in the background. I don't know. <laughs> Probably nobody saw it but us, but we were like... Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, yeah, um, it's the same with us. I mean, we're a thriller, um, for the most part, especially in season two. And, uh, so the pieces are in place long before, but it's the same with the, the fans' reaction to certain characters. We have, um, our core group of characters, and then there are sort of peripheral pack members. And, um, so, you know, sometimes it's, these characters will pop up because fans have reacted to them in a very positive way. Um, yeah, and there some of the we have this one reviewer who has referred to um this one article of wardrobe as the vest of ass kickery. <laughs> so, it's for our our alpha Jeremy when he takes off his jacket um and it's his vest and it's fighting time. Uh so we've started referring to it that way in the script and when Elena puts her hair in a bun, it's the bun of ass kickery. So, these are things that are sort of in our scripts now.
4: Um, I'm, it's very similar. I, I would say that we that the it has an impact on us on a kind of macro level. Do do the viewers care about these characters? That affects us. We give mo- them more of those characters, and it and then we it has we also are really interested on a micro level. We let, you know, we took a, a viewer's idea of, for what to name a baby. Like we'll we'll do you know little things little nods, little Easter eggs for repeat viewers, so it kind of helps us on that level and that level, but the m- stuff in the middle suggesting story ideas we don't take kind of that and, and um, you know, I think if we were to take our most vocal fans suggestions for story ideas it would just be our two main characters hugging <laughs> so <laughs> it, it wouldn't be very interesting, I don't think
1: um right in the back uh the bat girl that's you um, I heard <laughs> oh <laughs> no, I said backer <laughs>
2: Um sorry the,
1: the question uh, the question I uh, I will repeat for Batgirl Girl, <laughs> uh, <laughs> was in this day of uh, uh, second screen and, and intense scrutiny uh your shows are under an intense discussion uh picking up any little mistake uh are you does that affect you or are you uh do you do you worry about it uh, and does it affect what goes on in the room
2: Um I think well uh, again it's uh, we're in the can long before fans were able to see it. But I think one of my favorite things in season one was somebody reacted to, two characters were able to drive to, from Toronto to upstate New York uh, in seemingly five minutes of screen time. And that was called into question, but the fact that one of those characters is a werewolf not That's called okay. into question. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, yeah, uh, it, 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 um, it, it, it does affect us a little bit because we're, we're, we're extra careful with what we're doing. Um, th- we have some, uh, some very literary fans online. This one I'm thinking of uh, goes by Happy Jack. And I have to be careful because she guesses stuff. She's like a den mother, and she has th- theories, and she can be very close to what we're doing. And sometimes I'll go to the writers like, Happy Jack's kind of got it. <laughs> <laughs> She's kind of got it. We might just have to shift it a little bit or something <laughs> something like that. Uh, that, that sort of runs counter to the last thing I said, which is that I never let it uh, affect <laughs> us. But that, that's more about just uh, making things. It's a general desire of the show to make things really hard to predict anyway. So it's kind of, a hel- it's kind of helpful in, in that way to sort of gauge what people think is gonna happen and so we can do something else. Tassie? Um
4: I don't have the our show's obviously not got the same kind of mythology as these guys, so it's probably a little different. But certainly we have people analyzing every timeline. How old are these people, how pregnant is she, you know, the 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 season five finale just came out and one of the characters was had an ultrasound and very keen eyes spotted that the ultrasound said 2009 on it and so decided the baby couldn't possibly be the baby that they were worried it was going to be and you know, I'm like so. So that was a continuity error. The, the, it was not supposed to be an ultrasound from 2009. <laughs> or maybe so,
2: that's your new mythology. It's the very slow travel. acting. Very melody. like
4: the okay. yeah. I I just told them it was my ultrasound from 2009, and it was a, <laughs> that it was a joke on me. I didn't know. Like I, I, I yeah, people notice everything. We try to be very careful. We have junior writers tracking everybody's age timeline the age of their kids the age of the you know the the age they became a oh god yeah yeah (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) yeah i used to always joke i'll I'll answer that letter but you actually really do kind of joking that no one's actually going to comment but people really do now and Mm -hmm. you can get it instantly and you can look foolish um any more questions we're we're almost out of time. So the question is, uh, as, as writers, um, when you create characters, you've noticed that some tra- like people are... And is that surprising? Is it the one that you thought was, was going to be the great sidekick that everyone
3: hated, et cetera? Um, I, I think it's really about, uh, you know, about character as a whole. Um, yeah, there are certain archetypes that uh, people are used to uh, um, sort of gathering behind, you know heroic or anti-hero or whatever but uh you know we've seen a lot of those and there's so much out there that what's the really interesting character twist what's their story where's their heart that's how you kind of get people i think
4: yeah it's a very good question i i, I think the obvious thing that comes to my mind is the um, very very strong identification like we have a we have a lesbian couple in our show and it th- i mean like it's an incredible uh, viewer response to that. We built it like very, very slowly and very consciously to be a real l- kind of love affair. That uh, I've been just amazed by the response to that. We also had a bipolar character amazed by the response to that. So groups that feel that they are not represented um, on mainstream television, I think, have been our most vocal, passionate, um, and s- some of our strongest supporters.
2: Uh, we are trying to work with larger themes, but I feel kind of bad in saying that the, the most reaction that we get is to the uh, amount of ass that we show. <laughs> yeah. And from our American audience who doesn't get to see it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, and you're welcome.
3: They <laughs> <laughs> get less ass?
2: They get, yeah, they just get, like... Ass it, crack? Yeah. They not get ass <laughs> crack. They... It, so there's, there was a campaign called free the Bomb, um, <laughs> hashtag free the Bomb, and, and it was from the, the Canadians who were, were providing uh, screen grabs of the show for the Americans <laughs> so that they could see yeah we've got a lot of butt
1: well that's hard to follow <laughs> up uh, I see I think we have time for one more gentleman in the back the blue shirt please How often do actors offer feedback <laughs> into the writing careful uh, uh, with the landmine yeah.
2: um, We actually have a very great dialogue with our actors and um, a lot of trust both back and forth um, they we don't really bring us a lot like they just they they love the pocket that each of their characters is in there maybe a couple like can I say this? differently just so that it comes out of their mouths a little easier but um s- you know so far all good Not with way. our actors yeah
4: wait till season 6 yeah <laughs> 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 i i we we actually i'm being I, i'm you're catching me on a day when I had to go to set and get mad at everybody for, I was like, this is like night at the improv, what's happening here? <laughs> um, so we have actors that are, I love their, their contributions, their improvisations, I'm, I'm so open to it that it sometimes kind of can spiral a bit out of control, so uh, they have a lot of input, they really care, and we listen to them all, and we still, we do what we think is best for the show.
3: Uh, if, if you have uh, one actor playing six or eight parts you better listen to them
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and y- y- yeah certainly um, as we went along and got used to working with Tatiana it's, the show is better because we collaborate with her um, she knows these characters so well that um, as writers we go to her when we're stuck we go with problems to her she comes to us with problems uh, um, that openness has also drawn in, you know, some of the other, uh, bigger players as well. Jordan, uh, uh and, uh, Maria Doyle Kennedy. Um, and that sort of, uh, and that openness exists among the actors too. It's become, they're very, uh, supportive of, of one another. Uh, and they're still, you know, they're sort of in that, in that same, same boat where the script is, is dropping and, and, uh. A lot of a lot of actors, uh, a lot of the actors don't know what they have to what what they're going to be doing next, um, but but it's crucial that that Tatiana and our, our bigger performers know what's coming so they can prepare because they're really busy. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and I think uh, I think that goes back to really uh, one of the big questions earlier, which is what's the difference between screenwriting and and showrunning uh, and other forms of writing, whether it's journalism or, or novels. And that's uh, this is a collaborative art form uh, writers screenwriters and showrunners writers are, are a slightly different kind of writer all writers are similar uh, we spend a lot of time in our heads but uh, it's I think what Graham's talking about is really interesting and what uh, all these panelists have said is very interesting and, and I think uh, uh, it's very germane to this topic of social media and um, writers needing to be open to it and open to feedback wherever it comes from not losing their core uh, not losing what's, what's important to them a- uh, and the audience but uh, Uh, I think that's been a really, really interesting dialogue. Um, Is there any last questions? One, fantastic. You, Mademoiselle. What will you take from these
0: questions and use on the shows? Hmm.
3: (laughs) (laughs) If anything, maybe
1: nothing. Hmm. What will you use from these questions? What have we learned here today? (laughs)
3: I've just got my social media thoughts a little more uh, well-organized for the upcoming season. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Look, I have notes. What, what, <laughs> what was the name
2: of the tweeter who's on to your show? I'm gonna start Happy following. Jack. Her. Happy Jack. Oh, Happy Jack.
1: We've learned about Happy Jack. Yes.
3: Okay. With it, with a, with a CQ. With CQ. And Tassie's
1: oh. going to learn how to upload photos. Gonna We're going to work on how that to upload photos, and, and
4: I will probably write a sequence where somebody's late for a panel and has to pull into a hotel and pay a guy $100 in cash to park her car. Oh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So that's wow. not something that I learned, but uh, it's except experienced. given myself more time.
1: Fantastic. Uh, Dagan, what have you learned here today?
2: Um, what have I learned? Well, th- this is going to be super sincere, and I'm sorry, but I've learned that uh, our show and your shows have fans who will come to these <laughs> panels, which is incredible, and thank you so they much. Like you, God damn it. Yeah. They like you, goddammit.
1: They like you. And a brief uh, shout out to the Writers Guild of Canada for hosting this event, uh, they are a terrific organization. And uh, for those uh, writers in the crowd who were asking some writing questions, please go to the website. Uh, it's got a lot of information. I, I understand there's a video coming out uh, next week. The magazine's available. Uh, it's a great resource. And uh, there are other resources, too. Uh, and these people are very, are very available so, uh, and always eager to help. So, so thanks so much for coming out. And, uh, yes, thank you to our
0: panelists. Thanks so much. Thanks so much to showrunners Tassie Cameron from Rookie Blue, Dagan Fricklin from Bitten, and Graham Manson from Orphan Black. And a special thanks to James Hurst from the listeners writers room who moderated today's panel. If you enjoyed the podcast, please review us on iTunes. That helps increase the profile of the podcast. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, please email us at writerstalkingtv at gmail.com. That's writerstalkingtv, one word, at gmail.com. This podcast is sponsored by the Writers Guild of Canada. The show's technical producer is Philip Vukovic. I'm Lee Robbins from the WGC. Thanks for listening.